friends, and welcome to the Girl Means Business Podcast. I'm your host, Kendra Swalls, a photographer and educator on a mission to help you find your passion, power, and purpose through entrepreneurship. So let's jump right into today's episode because this girl means business. Hey there, welcome to the Girl Means Business podcast. You are here on an extra special week because it is my birthday week. Monday was my official birthday, but I like to celebrate all week long. And if I'm being honest, maybe all month long. Since my birthday falls kind of in the middle of the month, you know, might as well celebrate a little before and a little after. But what's extra special about it is that over on the Girl Means Business Instagram page this week, we are doing some really fun birthday celebrations. So, Make sure you are following along on my Girl Means Business Instagram account for all of the birthday fun, some giveaways, some fun activities, some discounts, all kinds of really great things going on over there. So make sure you are following me on Instagram. I am so excited for today's episode. I'm answering your burning business questions. So I went onto Facebook and I asked for your top business questions. What are the questions in your business that you want answered, whether it's around starting a business, growing a business, marketing your business, all the things. And I took the questions that were asked and made a list of the most popular ones, ones that were asked multiple times or that a lot of people commented on saying, yes, I want to know the answer to this question. And we are going to lightning round our way through some of these questions. Now, keep in mind that because there are multiple questions, we're not going to dive super deep into each of the answers. However, if there are other episodes that I can point you in the direction to go and listen to this episode so that you can dive deeper into this topic, I will definitely mention those and add them in the show notes. So if there's a question that you're like, oh, I want to know more about this, you've just kind of touched on it and I want to go even deeper Hopefully, I will have some episode links that you can go and listen to even more in-depth answers to these questions. All right, let's go ahead and dive into our first question. And we're going to start off with a bang because this question was probably the number one question that was asked in some form or fashion on my post. And that is, how do you get on the first page of Google? Now, I know this is sort of that mythical unicorn that all business owners are looking for. How do you get there? How do you land on that first page so that you are getting organic traffic to your website and you are getting bookings and you are getting inquiries? And there's a couple of different ways that this can happen. Now, I did have some people posting underneath this question with their own input, and I want to talk a little bit about that. One person had said, The only way to get on page one is through Google ads. And while Google ads are a great way to grow your business, and yes, they will help you get seen, I do not believe that you have to run ads to get on the first page of Google. I know that because my photography business has been on the first page of Google for a while, and it's kind of fluctuated between the first page and the third page, depending on how active I am in my business. And we'll talk about that in a second. But I have not had to run ads for my business to get to the first page of Google. Now, I have run Google ads for specific campaigns that I'm doing, specific specific promotions that I'm doing, but not just for my business in general. And so there are other ways that you can get onto the first page or the second page or to have your business ranking high on Google without having to have paid promotions. 
Now, the second one that had commented was talking about blogging and how the best way to get your business ranked on Google is to blog all the time. And that while this is not necessarily a wrong answer, it is not necessarily the answer either. So I want to talk a little bit about the way that Google rankings work. Google looks at a lot of different things when it is choosing how to rank a website. It looks at, yes, your traffic. It looks at your keywords. It looks at how your site is performing. It looks at how much time your visitors are spending on your site, how accurate it is and reliable it is. It's looking at a plethora of things. And so in order to have good SEO, which is search engine optimization, that is what boosts you up on the Google search listings. You have to create some kind of buzz around your website. Now, the way that SEO works is it's sort of like this hamster wheel that you have to jump on, which I know sounds tedious and it sounds overwhelming for some people, but let me kind of break it down into why this doesn't have to be overwhelming. And I'm going to do this the best way I can without going into super, super detail here. But when you hop on this hamster wheel of SEO, what that means is that it is not a one and done thing. You are going to have to continually work on SEO in your business. That means that you cannot post one blog post with really great keyword optimization and be like, done, check that off my list. I'm going to be on the page one of Google. You have to be consistently doing that. And the way that you do that is by creating valuable content. So if you have a website and you are putting up content on a regular basis, now that doesn't have to necessarily mean you're posting blog posts. It can be YouTube videos. It could be podcast episodes. It could be resources. It could be updating the content that the wording and the phrasing is already on your website. So while blogging is really beneficial to SEO because you're consistently and constantly adding more and more content and those keywords to your site, if blogging is not your thing, that's okay. I don't want you to feel like that if you don't enjoy blogging or you don't want to blog for your business, that you're just going to give up on your Google ranking. That doesn't have to be that way. So I have an entire episode, episode 14, SEO tips and tricks. If you want to go back and listen to that, I really dive into sort of breaking down the steps that you need to take to really boost your SEO and get that Google ranking. But my general answer to this question of how do you get on the first page of Google, you need to be providing continuous content on the internet. So that could be a podcast landing page or podcast episode pages. It could be the, you know, sharing your videos on your website. It could be adding keywords to your image alt tags and your image description. So when you add photos to your website, don't just put a photo up and walk away. Make sure that it, the title of the photo and the alt text has your, your keywords in it. Updating your website regularly. This is a problem I see a lot of people do is they create a website. They go, okay, check that off the list. It looks good. Let's move on. And then six months, a year, two years later, they have not updated their website. So if you are able to go in on a monthly basis, sometimes more if you're adding content, and update your descriptions, update your images, update your page titles, update your your URL codes, whatever, all those things that where you can put into place keywords that are going to help people find your business, 
then that's going to let Google know that you are relevant, you're up to date, and that's going to help boost you to the top of that list. So yes, it is possible to get to the first page of Google without having to pay for advertising. However, you're going to have to put in the work. Blogging helps. Anything that puts content onto the internet with your information attached to it is going to help boost your ranking. So I know that felt like a really vague answer to that question, but there's just, there's so much that can go into SEO and Google rankings that I don't want to get into it too in depth in this episode. But like I said, go back, listen to episode 14, where I share the SEO tips and tricks. I will give you plenty of information in that episode that will help you boost your SEO and boost your Google ranking. All right, let's move on to question number two, which your questions are not getting a whole lot easier just yet. So hang in here with me. What is the most effective marketing besides referrals? Is it Google ads, Facebook ads, Facebook groups, et cetera? Okay, this is another big question where there's really no one quick answer for this. And my answer is going to be, it really depends on your business and it depends on your target audience. So let me give you an example. If you are a photographer who is specializing in maternity and newborns, you have a very specific audience, you have a very specific clientele. And so I would say for you that you need to figure out where your audience is. If your audience is new moms that are expecting for the first time, they're probably hanging out in Facebook groups. They're probably hanging out on social media where they're looking for suggestions and ideas and they're asking other moms for advice and they are going to other people for information. And so your best place to spend your time is going to be in Facebook groups or creating your own Facebook group or marketing on Facebook where your audience is. Now, if you are someone who owns an online boutique and you are trying to sell physical products and you are targeting a younger demographic, then you're probably going to want to spend more of your time on places like Instagram and Pinterest that are more visually appealing, that are going to be more image driven, and that you can then drive people from those platforms to your shopping site. So unfortunately, there is no like one size fits all marketing plan for this. It's really dependent on what your audience is doing. Is your audience finding you through social media? Is your audience finding you through Google? A perfect example of this is my boudoir photography business. I get probably 70% of my inquiries tell me that they came from a Google search. I have when they fill out their little inquiry form, I ask them how they found me. And I would say 70 to 75% of them find me from Google. So for my business, it makes sense for me to invest in things like spending time on my SEO and possibly Google ads. I don't get a lot of traffic from Facebook or Instagram. Now I am active on Facebook and Instagram to build up those relationships with my audience, but a lot of times people find me through other avenues. However, if your brand, if you realize that your audience is coming to you primarily from Instagram or Pinterest or Facebook or TikTok or email marketing because they downloaded a freebie that you offer, 
then you need to be focusing on those platforms. So it really is dependent on where your audience is spending their time. That's where you want to invest your time and energy and money into marketing your business. Now, if you want to learn a little more about marketing and some of my best marketing tips, you can go back and listen to episode eight, which is where I share my number one marketing tip. And then episode 23, where I talk about three marketing strategies that you can implement in your business right now. So those are two really great episodes to go back and listen to and just kind of refresh if you've already listened to them or if you are new and you haven't listened to those episodes yet. Those are two really great marketing episodes where you can really get some actionable tips that you can put into place right now in your business. Okay, question number three kind of goes in the opposite direction. Is it possible to build a business without using social media? So this is a conversation that I've had recently with a friend of mine who is building an online business, and she is not a huge fan of social media. And I've also had a similar conversation with other friends, especially with the Netflix documentary Social Dilemma that has come out and just sort of the, not if controversy is the right word, but sort of the conversation people are having these days around the effect that social media has on us, kind of the hold it has on us. Is it really good for us? Should we be spending so much time on social media? And so a lot of people are really starting to question, how much do I really need social media to grow my business? This is a really, really relevant question. However, and this seems to be the theme of this episode, is there is no cut and dry one answer to this question. However, I will share with you sort of my thoughts my opinions. I understand the want and the need to spend less time on social media. However, as a consumer, I tend to look for social proof. When I'm looking at a new business or a new brand or a new company that I'm going to purchase from or shop with or spend time or energy with, I want to know that they are a legitimate business. And one way I look for that is with social proof. And unfortunately, that comes from social media a lot of the times. I want to know, do you have a social presence online? Are you on Facebook or Instagram? Are you active on there? An example of this would be when COVID hit and all these businesses, you know, had to kind of adjust to whether they were open or closed or how they were doing business or what they could offer and what they couldn't. A lot of times my husband and I would look for places to go, local businesses to support by going and like picking up takeout food. And I would have to go, I would go onto their website first. And a lot of times their website would not be up to date or it wouldn't have current information. It was just sort of your standard. This is who we are. Here's where you can find us. Here's our menu, blah, blah, blah. If I wanted to find up-to-date information about their hours, about what they were offering, about how curbside pickup worked or how you were placing your order? Was it online, in person, all these things? I would go to their social media account. And that's where I would look for the information. So when I would go to somebody's or I would search for a business online, if I could not find them on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, it made me a little bit leery. It made me a little bit hesitant to work with them just because I feel like that social media has become embedded in our society as a way for people to validate themselves. And 
mostly, I mean, in general too, but mostly as a business. And so if you are trying to build a business and you are against using social media, you can still build a business. I mean, you can build a business on Google. You can build a business off a website, off of mouth, you know, word of mouth referrals, things like that. However, I do think that people at some point are going to be looking for that social proof by finding you in other places. You know, we've all heard that saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And the same applies to marketing your business. I think it's really important to have your name in as many places as possible. So if you can have a website, if you can have you know, your Google ranking and your SEO rankings, if you can have Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn or Pinterest, if you can have email marketing, if you can have a word of mouth referral program, all of these things will work together to help you bring in new audiences, to help you bring in new clients. So if you're putting all of your eggs in one basket of, well, I have a website, that should be enough. I just don't think this day and age, that's enough. I think you're going to want to add in these other avenues as well. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to give all of your time and attention to them. So if you're one of those people who's like, okay, I watched The Social Dilemma. I don't feel comfortable with social media. It's not something that I am good at. It's not something I really know a whole lot about. That's okay. I'm not saying that you have to make social media your primary marketing strategy, but it needs to be part of the plan. It needs to be one of the spokes on your wheel. And even if that means you create a Facebook page, you post to it occasionally, you have a link to your website on there, you have your contact information on there. And if somebody goes and searches for your business on Facebook, you show up. It does not have to be something that you maintain on a daily basis if that is not your primary focus for your business. That's okay. You don't have to make social media your primary marketing focus, but it does need to be a part of your brand. I know a lot of businesses who their primary focus is their SEO and their Google ranking. Or I know businesses whose primary focus is Pinterest, but they still have these other platforms in in work. They still have them working for their business so that it drives people back to a a home base, whether that's your website, your Pinterest account, your Facebook page, whatever it might be. And it's that social proof that people are looking for that tells them, okay, this is a business I can get behind, I can trust, I feel comfortable with because they have a social presence. And unfortunately, that's just the age that we're in. People are looking for social proof and they're looking for that social presence online. So back to the original question, is it possible to build a business without social media? Yes, it is. However, I don't believe that you're going to have as strong of a business as you would if you incorporated social media into your marketing plan as well. Hey there, can I ask you a quick question? How's your business going? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Like really overwhelmed? Trust me, I have been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and it's not a fun feeling. I get it. You started this business because you want to do something that you love, something that you are really passionate about. And you have this big vision for your business, bigger than what you are seeing it accomplish right now. You've Googled all the things, you've read all the blog posts, you've listened to all the podcasts, and still you feel stuck. 
Maybe you've even invested money in online programs and courses that have sat on your computer unfinished and unimplemented. I know because I've done the exact same thing. What you really need in your business is someone to come alongside you and walk you through step-by-step all the processes you need to help move your business forward. And that, my friend, is why I created the Business Builders Membership. It is unlike any other membership program out there, and let me tell you why. With traditional courses, you end up getting 5 million topics thrown at you at one time, and it's overwhelming and it's stressful, and you have to pick through all of the bits and pieces to figure out what works in your business. But with the Business Builders Membership Program, you get one topic each month. So the overwhelm is taken away. You are building foundational building blocks in your business month after month after month. Inside of each toolkit, you will receive video tutorials, PDF files, workbooks, customizable templates, social media templates, all the things that you need to grow your business each and every month. In addition to all of that, you get access to the Business Builders Inner Circle Facebook group where you have direct access to myself and other amazing business owners to help you with questions, to dive deeper into topics, and to walk beside you as you grow your business. And the best part is this isn't going to break the bank. You get all of this for just $27 a month. You get the monthly toolkits. You get access to the Business Builders Inner Circle. You get your social media content calendar, all the support and help you need to grow your business each and every month for just $27. So if you are feeling stuck, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you are feeling like you don't know what to do next in your business, head over to girlmeansbusiness.com forward slash business builders and check out the Business Builders membership today. I think it could be the solution you're looking for to help you take your business to the next level. Again, that's girlmeansbusiness.com forward slash business builders. I look forward to seeing you inside the Business Builders community and helping you create something amazing. Okay, let's get to question number four. And this is one where I finally feel like I might have a concrete answer for you. Okay, question says, before COVID, I was selling my products at in-person events, craft fairs, group settings, et cetera, et cetera. Now that I can't do that anymore, what should I be focusing on to grow my business? All right, before I give my answer, I want to let you know there is an episode, episode 54. It's titled, How to Teach What You Know Online with Brittany McBean. It's a great episode that relates to this question. We recorded it not long after COVID hit and everything kind of turned upside down. And we talk a lot in that episode about how to pivot your business to match what is happening in our world today. So if that's something you want to learn more about, go listen to episode 54. Okay, now my answer to this question. So before COVID, you were selling products in person, and now you want to know what you should focus on. So I've seen a lot of businesses, it's been really interesting, actually, during this whole COVID to watch what other businesses have shifted and adjusted and pivoted to fit the current times, the current situations. As much as I hate to say, like, that's been a silver lining to all of this. It really has been fun to see how creative some companies are getting and how some business owners have been getting with their business. So if you're someone who typically would have a booth at a craft fair, and right now is when we'd have all of these craft fairs going on right before the holiday season, and you're not having those right now, and you might be going, that's how I make my money for the holidays. What do I do now? Here are some suggestions. One, I would highly suggest creating a Facebook group. 
because you can create your own group of people that you can essentially have a virtual craft show with, a virtual event with. You can host virtual events without a Facebook group. But I think Facebook groups are a really great way to create unity around something that you offer. And while I don't want to dive into all of the specifics and the details around how to run a Facebook group or how to start one, if you go back and listen to episode 47, I do a whole episode on using Facebook groups to grow your business. So if you are typically selling in person, Facebook groups are a great way to create an audience around your brand. Another thing you can do, which I mentioned a second ago, was you can host online events. So you can do online trunk shows where you create an event, you create maybe an event page or event group around that event. You have people invite their friends and then you go on and you have like a little live video and you sell your your product in that live video to that event. You can do live videos on Instagram and Facebook where you are showcasing your products and then leading people back to a site where they can purchase those products. I see a lot of brands doing this now. You know, you see it on Facebook a lot where somebody is demoing their product and, or they're showing off like a new fall line of something and then directing people back. So while you're not expecting them to purchase from, you know, during the live video necessarily, you are leaving it on your social media or leaving it on your website for people to go back to something else, to a link and then shop from there. But it's a good way to kind of get your products out in front of people, especially people love to see things in person. That's part of the draw of doing these in-person events is they want to be able to see it physically instead of seeing it like in an ad or in a catalog or in a a stock photo online. So if you're able to show them a video where you're holding up the product or you're trying the product on, if it's clothing or jewelry or accessories, you know, an example I think of is jewelry. I see people selling jewelry online and they'll put a beautiful stock photo of these earrings. I'm thinking those are great, but are they tiny? Are they, there's nothing for me to see the size or how they look. But when I see somebody on a video who is showing me how it looks on themselves and different ways you can style it or ways that you can, you know, make it your own. These are things that are going to get me interested in purchasing something from you. So I think you need to take the same thing you would be doing at these in-person events and just transition it into online. You know, create a YouTube channel, create Facebook Lives, create a website where you have like a home base that's your own. If you're selling, you know, network marketing or multi-level marketing products and you typically send people to like a referral link to that company's website, you can create your own landing page where you have your own home base where you put up your videos and your content and your blog posts and all of these things and start learning how to use some of these online marketing techniques to do or to replicate the same kind of thing you would do in person, just online. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you've been listening to the Girl Means Business podcast for any amount of time, then you know my love of email marketing runs deep. Not only is it a great way to generate new leads, but it's one of the most effective methods for nurturing warm leads and turning them into sales. Now, over the years, I've tested several email platforms, and my favorite by far is Flowdesk. 
Not only do they make email marketing simple and easy, even for the technically challenged, but they have everything you need to create stunning emails, capture leads, make sales, and automate the entire process, giving you time back in your busy day. And the cherry on top is you're only charged one flat fee no matter how many subscribers you have. So while other platforms will increase your price when you go over your pricing tier limit, Flowdesk has no price increases or hidden fees. If you're ready to give Flowdesk a try, click the link below in the show notes to save 50% off your first year. Let Flowdesk help you design emails people will love. Click the link below and check it out. I have a feeling you're going to love it just as much as I do. Okay, question number five. Do collaborations really work? Can they help boost my business? This is a really good question. And I think that when a lot of people hear the word collaboration, one of the first things they think of is influencer. I know that that that's where my mind kind of went when I first saw this question. And I I think part of the reason I thought that was because it was coming from somebody who I know is in fashion. And I, my first thought was, well, they want to collaborate with influencers to show off their fashion. So here are my thoughts on collaborations. I personally think they can be really beneficial to a business. However, I don't think of collaborations in the traditional sense of I'm going to send my product to an influencer and they're going to talk about it on their Instagram page. That's not how I look at collaborations. To me, a collaboration is when I reach out to somebody and I say, hey, I have a product or a service or something I can offer your audience, and I would love to share that with your audience. And then in turn, if there's something that you can share with my audience, let's work together to create this. In my experience, the best collaborations are the ones where both sides are getting something out of the deal. So if you are someone who sells a physical product and you're thinking, well, I want to just send my product to these influencers and have them share it with their audience. Here is my problem with that. One, I do think it can be beneficial. I have seen it be beneficial. However, nobody is going to sell your business the way that you sell your business because nobody believes in your business. Nobody believes in your products or your service as much as you do. So if you are putting it into someone else's hands to market your business for you, they are never going to do it justice. So if you have a physical product or that you're trying to sell, if you are a clothing or a jewelry or a, an accessories company and you want to collaborate with other influencers, here would be my tip for that. I would say to them, hey, would you mind if we found a way for me to share my product with your audience? It could be an Instagram stories takeover. It could be us having a conversation together in a live video. Whatever you want to come up with, you know, they may have some really great ideas, but this way, instead of that influencer sharing your business from their perspective, it's now you sharing your business with their audience in your own way, in your your own words. And then that influencer is kind of giving it the stamp of approval by saying, I've invited this person onto my platform to share this. I have used this product or I own this product and they can give their own input But now it's become less about you just handing out things for free and hoping that they do it justice and more about you working together to 
spread the word about your business. And then in turn, you could say, you know, hey, I would love to then have you on my platform or I would love to help promote something that you're doing and, you know, whatever it is that you can come up with that will allow you to both benefit from the collaboration. The same goes for things like podcasts or blog posts, or if you have a service-based business, if you can connect with other people who have an audience that is your ideal audience, then go into it with that same mindset. Instead of saying, hey, would you promote this for me? Go in and say, hey, I would love to do a blog swap with you. If you want to do a guest post on my blog and I will do a guest post on yours or a podcast swap, or hey, I'd love to do a joint Facebook live with you. Or can we record a Zoom video where we're both talking about our businesses and we share it with both of our audiences? Um, you know, find a way for it to be beneficial to both of you. And again, I am a firm believer in the fact that nobody is going to promote your business the way that you are going to promote it. So instead of thinking of collaborations as I'm now putting this in her hands and hoping she does it justice, take that aspect away and say, you know what, I'm not going to give this into your, put this into your hands. I'm going to come over here to where you are and I'm going to share my product, service, platform, whatever with your audience in my own words. And then we'll find a way for this to work for both of us. So that is my thoughts, my two cents on collaborations. But I know from experience that those are the ones that have worked best in my business is when both parties feel like they're getting something from it. And when I feel like I have control over how my business is being shared and how my content is being put out into the world. All right, number six, how do you know it's time to outsource part of your business? This is a wonderful question. And I do have an episode for you on this one. It's episode 26, Burnout Proof Your Biz with Chelsea B. Foster. In that episode, we talked about a lot of ways to kind of burnout proof your business. But one of them we talked a lot about is outsourcing and knowing when it's time to hand over something to somebody else. Because I know that as an entrepreneur, as a solopreneur, and as somebody who has been doing this for eight years plus, you start off thinking, I have to do everything myself. Because that's what we think we see other people doing. We look on social media, we look on, we listen to podcasts, we watch videos, we do all these things. And it looks like from the outside, these people are doing all of these things on their own and they are excelling at it. When the reality is, that's very rarely the case. Most successful entrepreneurs have a team of people helping them. And by people helping them, I want to clarify that too, because I had this misconception early on when I would see people talk about their team. And I assumed that meant that they had an office somewhere where eight to 10 people came into the office every day. And it was this work environment with, you know, cubicles and this big company. When in reality, your team is anybody that helps you with your business. So if you are outsourcing your content creation, that's part of your team. If you're outsourcing your photo editing, that's part of your team. If you're outsourcing your podcast editing, that's part of your team. All of these things that you're doing are part of your team. And I believe in team building because I can't do it all. I am not good at doing it all. So for me, I probably waited way too, I know I waited way too long to outsource things in my business. One was because I felt like 
if I couldn't do it myself, that meant I was a failure at my business. And that is absolutely not the case. And two, I was worried about the financial impact. How can I invest money in somebody else doing something for me when it's cheaper for me to do it myself? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, photographers, are you ready to make 2024 your best year yet? Growing a business is tough. You're following all the successful photographers and experts, soaking up their best advice and downloading all their free guides, trying to replicate their success only to come up lacking, blaming yourself when their methods don't work for you. But the truth is, it isn't you. Free content and one-size-fits-all courses can only get you so far. What you need is personalized help and guidance, but that can get expensive. Well, not anymore. I've created the perfect solution to get you personalized results for less than $2 a day. Introducing the Focus Photographer Lab, a one-of-a-kind coaching membership that gets you one-on-one results for a fraction of the cost of traditional coaching. Inside the lab, you'll find the three C's to success, classes, coaching, and community. With classes, you gain access to a treasure trove of pre-recorded trainings and invaluable resources. With coaching, you get monthly live trainings and Q&A sessions, along with my favorite part, the weekly one-on-one office hours, where we get to address your unique questions and challenges. And then there's the community, where you get to connect with an amazing group of talented female photographers who share your passion, supporting each other and inspiring each other to greatness. The best part is it doesn't come with an expensive one-on-one coaching price tag. You get all of that for just $47 a month. You can even try it for free for 14 days to make sure it's a good fit for you. And there is no contract and no obligation you can cancel at any time. So what are you waiting for? Head down to the show notes and click the link to learn more and get signed up today. And let's make 2024 our best year yet. What I learned from that, though, is that it's really not cheaper because then I was spending all of this time and all of this energy and all of this frustration trying to make something work that wasn't working, trying to fit that square peg into a round hole. A perfect example is with this podcast. I have tried for a really long time to do it all by myself. And I feel like I've done a decent job, but I also know that if I hand over parts of my podcast business to somebody who knows what they're doing, to somebody who is an expert at what they do, they can help make this podcast 10 times better than what it is. And I'm willing to pay for that because I know it's going to help me grow my business beyond what I'm capable of doing by myself. I'm only one person. And I can only do so much with the amount of time and skill levels that I have. So my sort of go-to saying in my business when it comes to outsourcing is, you need to focus on the things that only you can do in your business. For me, as a photographer, I'm the one that needs to be taking those photos. I'm the one that shows up to a wedding when a bride is, is expecting me to be there as their photographer. But That doesn't mean that I can't outsource the editing. That doesn't mean that I can't outsource content creation for my social media accounts if I want to. It doesn't mean that I can't outsource things that don't require me to physically be doing them. Same thing with this podcast. 
it is me who has to record these podcasts. It's my voice. It's my conversations. It's my brand. However, I can have somebody else edit them and upload them and create the show notes and create the graphics because that's not something that requires my voice, my face, my personality. And so I'm a believer in knowing what your limitations are and being okay saying, I can't do this by myself, asking for help and looking at your business and saying, honestly, what part of your business is wearing you out right now? What part of your business are you putting off? What's that thing that you keep saying, I know I I know I need to do this. I know I need to. I really don't want to. Or I know I need to be focusing on this. I'm just not good at it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's not my thing. Those are the things that you need to be outsourcing. Now, the financial part of it, I understand that that's a big deal because it it was and still is for me. One of those things where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm putting money out there every month for somebody to do something that I could technically do on my own. However, you have to look at your return on investment. If I can spend a little bit of money each month to take something off my plate that's going to help my business grow, then it's worth it. If it's going to be worth it to take something off your plate for your mental health, then it's worth it. And if you are really struggling with the idea of paying somebody to do something in your business, then look for a way to do a trade. Obviously, I don't want to undermine the value of what somebody offers. So this would be something that you'd have to make sure you're comfortable bringing up with somebody or having this conversation ahead of time. But if you know of somebody who is good at what you are struggling with and you can work out some way to do a trade to say, if you have a friend that's really great at copywriting, it's really great at blogging and you are just not, then say, hey, would you be willing to do a trade? I will babysit your kids for a couple hours a week in exchange for you helping me with this or whatever you can work out. If you have a product or a service that you can trade with somebody else, then fine, do that. There are ways to make it work. And then eventually when you start seeing how much it helps your business, I think you're going to become a pretty big believer in outsourcing the way that I have. It's a game changer for your business. All right. Our last question, question number seven, if I have an Instagram account for my business, but I'm shifting to a new business, should I keep my same account or start a new one? So my photography Instagram account originally started as a personal Instagram account, and then I shifted it to a photography account. And at the time I was photographing anything and everything. So if you really scroll back pretty far in my Instagram account, you're going to see pictures of my kids when they were babies. You're going to see family portraits that I've done, probably photos from our bar mitzvah that I photographed one time. You're going to see all kinds of crazy stuff. So my personal opinion on this is if you already have an Instagram account for your business that has a decent amount of followers, I don't think you need to scrap that because we all know how difficult it is to kind of start from the ground up. So I think that, again, this is my personal opinion, but my opinion on this is that I would not shift to a new account. I would not create a new account. I would shift the account you already have to the new business. Keep those followers. Will you lose some of them? Maybe, but you also might have some crossover. 
you might have some people who were with you with, with your first business. And now that you're shifting to a different business, they might think, oh, well, I still want to support her or, oh, I really like what she's doing now. I don't think there's anything wrong with letting people know that you are pivoting, letting people see kind of behind the curtain, like pull the curtain back a little bit and go, hey, this is what's going on. I was doing this. This account will now be shifting more towards this. And in all reality, a lot of times people are not going to fully notice and not to say that to mean like they're not paying attention to what you're doing, but most people are not going to go to your account and scroll back a bunch. So within a month or two, when you've added new content about your new business and you've changed the name and you've changed your um, description, all those things, a lot of people are going to not even notice that it used to be something else because they aren't going to scroll all the way back to your old photos. And if they do, then that's fine. They'll see that you used to do X and now you're doing Y. So my advice would be keep the audience you already have established with the account that you have and just make that transition. If you want to make an announcement and say like, hey, exciting news, I am starting a new venture. This account will now be shifting to X, Y, and Z. You know, I would love for you to stick around and and join me on this journey. And I think you'd be surprised how many people stick around for it because either A, they're here to support you no matter what you do, or B, you're going to have some crossover in that audience based on what you were doing previously to what you are doing now. And I've seen businesses do this. I've known several photographers that have started their business account as a photographer, and then eventually they switch it to whatever, you know, a health and wellness one, one that's now selling jewelry. Another one is doing like the Usborne books. Um, another one I shifted to creating props for new for newborn photographers and they go solely on their props. You know, there's there's all kinds of businesses that have made these transitions. But I think for me, the key thing is if you've already built an audience around your Instagram account, there's no need to scrap that completely. I think just switch to your new business on the same account. All right, guys. Well, that does it for our burning business questions. I hope you liked this episode. It was really kind of fun to go through your questions and sort of lightning round answer the best I could some of the burning questions you had on your mind about your business and your marketing and your social media and all the things. So if you liked this episode and you want to hear more episodes like this, then send me a DM over on Instagram or Facebook or shoot me an email and let me know what your burning question is so that I can add it to future episodes. All right, guys, I hope you have a wonderful week. Don't forget to head over to the Girl Means Business Instagram feed and check out all of the birthday fun going on this week. And I will see you back here next week. Same time, same place.